time to tune up the band. So yeah, for it is another episode of the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. I am Sam, alongside Dan again this week, as we continue our journey through the wacky world of professional wrestling. On episode 149, <laughs> Dan, just saying that makes me feel, my oh, God. Mate, I'm so terrified. <laughs> On episode 149, our special guest for this week, ah, content creator, Pocotan aficionado, and person I affectionately call the big strong boy of YouTube, it's Andos! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen and non-binary buds, it's me, it's me, it's A-J-P, talking about that F-T-R, with the boys from the U-K, Andos for short. How are we doing today, guys? He's, God, that that it, so many acronyms, I felt like I was back in work, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that's, uh, that's the best intro I think we've ever had. Can we, can we, can we keep Andos on on a permanent basis? <laughs> I would love to. Uh, I would love to it come back. <laughs> All right, we've made. We've we found the fifth, uh, the unofficial fifth member of the podcast. There we go. <laughs> yeah. friend, friend, close friend of the pod, Andos. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. You've got. That's the official title. You've got. We've got it on record now. <laughs> oh yeah. So it has been a. If anyone's been following me on social media, they know how much of a crazy couple of weeks I've had. Um. Yes. And I'm, f- I'm f- very, very happy to say that it's all culminated in the RLCS Spring Major going on as of this recording. And uh, the crazy number I got um, from the opening recap video that opened up the Spring Major got, um, it peaked at 26,000 live viewers on the Rocket League Twitch channel. That's my channel. guy right there. Oh, That's wow. my guy. Congratulations. Which is, ins- which is an insane number. <laughs> like... I'm just a pokey guy from the UK that occasionally helps out wrestling YouTubers, but also manages to just somehow manage to end up doing stuff for Rocket League Esports. Don't worry about it. Man, that's awesome. My guy's so good. My guy's so good. Oh, stop it, you guys. (laughs) You deserve it. You You deserve it. it. You deserve it. Kurt Angle, Kurt Angle, yeah, dot gif, insert right there. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Peep the mic, Dad. How's your week been, sir? Uh, I'm good. I've been working. I've been working on, uh, I'm working on a theatre production. And I've realised I'm the only person that knows how to work the the floor lights. So (laughs) I've been doing that. It's a whole bucket of fun. Oh, I'm Um, sure. So, you know. It's fun. It's it, it's cool though, because like I'm going into it, and basically no planning's been done around it, so they're just like got vibes really. Just see what you come up with, and it'll probably be fine. I'm just like, alright then, say less. So <laughs> Let's do this. Are you basically saying that the theatre production is a 45 minute monologue of Macho Man Randy Savage? I mean, in many ways, yes. I mean, that's basically my ideal theatre production. Maybe that's what I'll do when I get to direct next year. An onstage version of Be a Man. <laughs> It's a yes. really it's a really awkward retelling of a uh, reinterpretation of the wrestler, but like there's just a forty five minute shoot promo in the middle of it. The only preferably, people, pre- pre- preferably done by um someone who I can train to act like Scott Steiner. Just in the center of the stage with a spotlight on you, and it's a forty five minute shoot. 
Yeah, basically. <laughs> the people in the front row are fat asses. <laughs> Have you been, Adam? How's your week been? Um, it's been really good. June was a, I'll put it lightly, difficult month for me. I had a lot going on, but things are looking up. I'm feeling real good. I've gotten a lot of motivation back, been steadily working more, so that's always good. Um, I last night I was at a fundraiser event, so if I sound a little tired, that's because I'm I've been traveling a bunch. So, yeah, that's not much has been going on with me. We appreciate the the effort and the commitment to come here so oh, yeah. early in the morning. <laughs> that is not yeah, lost on us. I was gonna say, especially the the commitment to overcome the world. Oh no, dude! I come earlier <laughs> The world's great difficulty is my personal vendetta time zones. <laughs> oh gosh. Like America's so messed up with time zones because it's like uh because you told me like UK time and then it's like, yeah, I'm on central time, not knowing that there's like a Pacific time and a mountain time and an eastern time, and it's yeah, like this We're was one of those things big. that bugged me when we had to do this more, which was that there were two guys that we worked with in the US and they were like two hours like an hour like an hour's hour two hours distance travel from each other and then had like one hour time zone difference and i was like the fuck is this <laughs> yeah I... it's like you guys couldn't have one you just couldn't have what you had to have several <laughs> no <laughs> in fact a joke i like to tell is that i was doing the nxt video with cherry chase and we were like scheduling time great guy by the way Check out Cherry yeah. Chase. Yes. But we were talking about like time zones and whatnot. And I was like, yeah, what time are you available? I was like, yeah, I'll be around like so-and-so mountain time. And in my head, I'm like, are you a dwarf? Do you live in the mountains? <laughs> what is mountain time? <laughs> yes, we never come out of the mines of Moria. <laughs> my cousin Bali. <laughs> oh, no, chat. The, the, gra- the grand mines of Colorado. <laughs> <laughs> The, 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 those those infamous minds. Anyway, yes, we give you this podcast thanks to those lovely people over at SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and forever pending other platforms. Who's going to do this one? Are you going to do it, Dan? <laughs> oh, um, sorry. Yeah, don't worry about it. Um, you know that uh, FTR as a tag team are a throwback to the classics. Timeless, if you will. <laughs> But there's one thing that will never age with time, and that is our commitment to being pending. Because we I, are always pending, and always will be. I, I appreciate that's done on the fly as well. I very much. That, that's, that, 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 that's awesome. <laughs> I'm a we professional. Are, we are pending. <laughs> so, before we get on to our little retrospective all about FTR, it is time to visit Dan for this week's wrestling news. Take it away, Andos. <laughs> he's got it he's got it (laughs) yeah um yeah so we've got a few different little bits to uh to cover here and here and there what what would we like to start with just start with independence day oh that's a good place to start just start with eddie kingston the boy the man the one we love that's our guy right there that's our guy right there that's my boy Oh, what a cr- I mean, nothing, 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 but other than the fact that I'm just incredibly happy for the guy. He, like, we, we, we meme about the you deserve it, but, like, he really does. Yes. He honestly does. 
like hearing that promo he cut where he's like, you know, I'm not supposed to be here. I'm supposed to be dead. I'm supposed to be in jail. But Japanese pro wrestling saved me. It's like, ah, oh, man, he's the one. And what's so funny about it is that he cares about that title far more than New Japan cares about 80% of its titles. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's like, oh, it's so charming to see him love this belt so much. I, I fair play. I, I I love Kenta with all my heart, but sometimes I feel like when they have the I don't give a heck about this title, we'll just give it to Kenta. <laughs> yeah. In a sense. I, the thing is, right, is that Kenta's like the 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 safe bet guy. They're just like, yeah, we can just like chuck this on him and we'll be all right. And mm-hmm. be quite honest, ever since he left to go to New Japan, like left WWE to go to New Japan, I like I do kind of like this version of Kenta where he's just like, I'm older now, I'm wiser, I got my shoulder busted up because of that company. But you know what? Please, please do criticize me because I don't give a fuck what you mean. <laughs> nah. But no, Eddie. Finally, period. Oh my god, it was so fucking amazing to see Eddie win that. I did actually see his mm-hmm. boy Homicide there at ringside as well. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Homicide, Homicide helped make it. Oh, such an amazing moment, man. Again, that's our guy. He doesn't have to go out of his way to go, hey, check these guys out doing this really cool stuff on YouTube. But he does. And He really doesn't. And I think he is committed. I think mm-hmm. I say speak from no, I speak to my, for myself. But I speak for a lot of others as well, where we say like thanks, Eddie, because you really don't have to, but thank you, <laughs> thank you, Eddie Kingston, wherever you are in the world, thank you so much. Oh, such an amazing moment. Talk about amazing mm-hmm. moments. Moxley in the main events for both night one and night two. Um, yeah. All I'm saying to people, right? Boy. All I'm saying, right, I love, I said this on Twitter, Mox is on the absolute run of his life at the moment, and if people can't see that or choose to not see it, then I'm sorry, you're being silly. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, we are, we are, we are looking at, like, the, the potential of, like, some people saying, like, you know, he could be, he could be the defining wrestler of, like, the 2020s. Yeah, no, I've heard that being thrown around too. And I tend to agree. I, I, obviously, and far, I think I might agree. Too early, I think to be saying. Far too early, but... yeah. At this present moment, I wouldn't say no. <laughs> I mean, Brian's Brian's following close behind him. That's what I'll say. <laughs> but that's um, but that's just Brian because um, of course he is. <laughs> right, Brian just can naturally have a wrestler of the year year any year. <laughs> Exactly. Like that's, that's just that's just what happens when you're just that good. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Though, I, again, it's that thing of just seeing people saying, oh, look at where Roman and Seth are. Oh, if John had never left. And I'm just like, are these the same people that say that a title doesn't, you don't have to win a world title to be one of the best in the world? What's the difference there? I like, mean, there basically, the answer, <laughs> the answer is that there is none. Like it, it, it's just, it's just, it's just a circle that keeps going around, around, around. I. The answer is that they had to make a title for Seth Rollins to get him over. <laughs> the thing is about that, all of that though, is that Seth Rollins doesn't even need it. No, <laughs> this is true. He just I mean, has it. I mean, he's. I mean, I think he's already made it by being in a Marvel film. So right. I think, I think he's, I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be all right when he retires, isn't he? No. <laughs> yeah. That's not a slight I, against Seth either. I think he is 
pretty okay. But I mean, like you think about like, oh, we can't give him a universal title because Roman's not going to drop it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, we'll get I'm just going to echo what Joseph said and is like, you know, I'm sorry, just Mox is just cooler than all your favorites. That's how it is. It, it, it literally this is. It's the thing though, right? Because I'm like, because obviously you get the people that are like, oh, I do not understand Moxie and why he needs to do all the, especially after the in, the match at Independence Day where he had the skewers in his head and people are like, this is so crazy. Why why would he do this? And I'm like, because he fucked, did you not read his book? He wants to. <laughs> <laughs> Did none of you read his book? It's basically what I was thinking when I saw that. It's like, if I was the sort of person that wanted skewers in my head, I would want the skewers in my head rather than be in WWE. <laughs> like, this is just what the dude wants to do, and I respect that entirely. Look, it was either that or a hot dog cart. Which one would you choose? You know? Yeah. No, <laughs> you know? I mean, obviously, saying about all of this, I think it's obviously showing... A really good thing for New Japan exactly. in like bridging this gap over. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the hope is there'll be more involvement and stuff. Obviously, the the answer is, is I I think we need the we need the Eddie Kingston even transitional reign. Yes, I agree. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. <laughs> I, I feel like them doing it that. even if for only three months, getting him to at least Grand Slam is mm-hmm. like the essential. We need this at this point, but um, no, I think I think it's it's really cool, and obviously staying on topic, staying on topic, kind of with AEW. Want to mention the seventy five thousand announced for Wembley? Um, obviously, absolute insanity. The I think the whole like stadium is basically open except for hard cam side. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. So <laughs> that's crazy how that happened, isn't I it? I think there's about I think there's about twelve thousand tickets still remaining. Yeah, which that's... are like solely up, like solely upper deck. And when I say upper deck, I mean you need binoculars to see the ring. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is that big. It is that big, and that's the, 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 the that's going to be the crazy thing about seeing that when 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 we're there. Dan is going to be within that sea of people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I looked at some of the statistics. I think it said about a thousand tickets or so were on resale, but like that's like resale through official channels. So like the the fucking Ticketmaster ones, yeah, bleh, um, bleh. So obviously you don't you don't know mm. you don't know private resale because they could just be some dude on Facebook that's got like fucking sixty tickets or whatever. This is true. This is true. Um, mm-hmm. But I... yeah, no. Obviously, it said seventy five thousand tickets. It's awesome. It's mm. seemingly spurred WWE to push the idea of WrestleMania coming to London. <laughs> oh gosh we'll get to that when we get to like a little bit of money in the bank uh yeah because <laughs> that was just that was so deliberate i don't even like like it wasn't even i'm going to of... reserve my comments about yes. the people that might be involved in bringing wrestlemania to london <laughs> <laughs> can we head back to an independence day very quickly so there's a couple yeah, of things can. i want to bring up uh julia versus willow nightingale hell yeah great match oh, that was a great match. I mean, two awesome uh, female competitors. That's also going to oh, happen. I love Willow Nightingale so much. Mm. So good. So good. Mm. So darn good. Oleg Bolton. What a guy. Oh. I believe in Oleg Bolton supremacy. <laughs> Oleg Bolton with uh, Rosuke Taguchi and Master Wato defeating Dragon Libre, Takahiro K- uh, Katori, and Rekka. I just thought, just like, Oleg Bolton just being Oleg Bolton. 
And I'm just like, you know what? If he's this generation's big Van Vader, I'm going to be a very Bro, happy we, boy. No, for real, we are so close, though. <laughs> we are we are so oh, yeah. close to, like, modern Shimikov. If we get this, if we get this right. <laughs> exactly. You said the word modern and big Van Vader in the same sentence, and I am all in. Yep. Yeah. Basically, he's, <laughs> just, he's, he's, just, he's just an absolute unit of a former Kazakh um, Olympic wrestler. Hell yeah. And like I'm just like if if we get if New Japan gets this right, we could be in for a bright future. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it just it, it makes me very happy that finally that the legacy of Inoki still lives on. <laughs> very much. Some, so. Somewhere somewhere Inoki's spirit hangs around the New Japan office like push this guy. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they Inoki made him never died. That's why they made him the once and future, the once and uh, the only president of New Japan after his passing. Um, can we talk a little bit about Bullet Club War Dogs, specifically Alex Coughlin and Gabe Kidd? I'll reserve my words. <laughs> I will say this: in terms of a team, they are fantastic together. Honestly, I think that in both Correct. nights they really showed up to be really freaking, really, really freaking. I mean, good. this 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 dish just continually furthers my Alex Coglin agenda. Alex, yeah, Alex Coglin is probably Alex, the best. Alex Coglin is is like a unfathomably based as a wrestler, but b like he's he just is the guy. He 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 is he is Dan Seven if he was shredded. I, I can't lie, you're kind of not wrong in some ways there. Gabe Kidd, I think he's been, he's he has steadily improved, I would say, yes. throughout, throughout, throughout this year. Uh, definitely he's gone to be, I'd say this pairing has really helped him out. And I think his time in Japan has really made him to be a really blooming good wrestler. Although I will bring up a lot of what a lot of people said on the Fuji's Egg server. Shout out to Fujita's Egg. Shout out to the boys. He's got far too much of the British stink on him still. Yes. <laughs> and is that because he's just unquestionably, unequivocally British? Yeah, to a certain extent, I, I, I would say so. <laughs> yeah, but like, but like, we know, we know how, we know how deep he runs with, um, with, with Brit Rest. So, like, I, I get it. I, I, I get it. I have nothing else to say at this point. I think the only person that can get away at this point with being unquestionably English is Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, but because it's him, it's almost slightly charming. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's just, he's, he's just been the British guy in Japan for, like, the last 10 years. Yes. So it's just kind of his brand at this point. Exactly. So I, 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 have, I, have no, I have no qualms with it. But yeah, I've been impressed by that team. I mean, whoever came up with the idea of putting them both together, uh, probably Ghetto, you deserve you deserve well, the, tiniest, out, the tiniest bit of plaudits. He had, to, he had to figure out something interesting when he when he came up with the idea of making David Finley the leader. So, <laughs> <laughs> hey, put Driller Maloney and Clark Connors together as well. Why not? <laughs> again, again, I, this is this is all fine, but I still won't get over the David Finley bit. Yes. <laughs> So that's my kind of thoughts on do, on Independence Day. Do the do the fucking meme if if David Finley has no more haters, then I am dead. 
if there are a thousand haters, I am one of them. If yes. there are zero <laughs> haters, that means I have died. Exactly that. Exactly that. Let's get to money in the bank. We'll try and do this uh, super speedy sharpish. Um, obviously, um, a good reception. Mm-hmm. People said it was broadly a good show. I mean, I haven't exactly seen a whole bunch of it, so like, I'm just going off what people have told me. But um, all seems like it was pretty well received. LA Knight not uh, taking the money in the bank briefcase, as I understand. Surpri- that was like, the thing people wanted. Surprising, surprising, but I am glad that Damien Priest was actually the one that got it. You know? Yeah, I reckon they'll, they'll, they'll get yeah. a good program out of Priest. Uh, whatever they pair him with. I'm very happy that Shayna Baszler's turned on Ronda. In the Warhammer gear, by the way, where my Warhammer people at? <laughs> Hell yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Gunther had a very good match against Matt Riddle um, for as the IC Championship. Does. As Gunther does. A very, a very not much happened match between Cody and Dominic. Wow, I'm so surprised. <laughs> EO very much deserved of the of the women's money in the bank contract. Yeah, good pick. Good pick. And all, honestly, all of those women went ham and I flipping love it. And the fact that Trish did not mind going ham as well was like, you know what, Trish? Did you, you, you know, you didn't need to, but you kind of solidified your legendary status by actually being willing to take Trish, a lot of bumps. Trish, you know? the secret work rate queen. <laughs> it was hiding there the whole time. Seth and Finn, Seth wins. Uh, Damien, Damien Priest comes down to kind of um, trick uh, Seth and Finn out, like that's kind of like punk them out into like potentially cashing it in, but not really. Um, eh, it's, it, it's what it was. The, it the, was fine. But the, I heard. Yeah, it was. It was. It was perfectly fine, honestly. And um, it's such a shame when you consider how kind of good Finn is. Like how how and everyone knows how good Finn is, but it's just kind of like such a shame. We can we, the only thing we can say about Finn Balor now is that he has perfectly serviceable good matches now, because we all know what he's like. You know, before he entered mm-hmm. WWE and even in NXT, we all know what he's capable of. So I feel like it's 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 a common thing that keeps coming up in a lot of shoot interviews when people bring up Finn Balor. Like he knows that he's done his career's work and all of his life's work in Japan. Now he's just here to make the money. To a certain degree, I can I'm respect that. I'm not mad at that. it, though. I respect, I respect the bag chasing. Gotta respect it, yeah. Same with Shinsuke, with, with Shinsuke Nakamura as well. Like, he knew that Again. he did his life's work in Japan. Now he's just here to make the big bucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the thing I've always said about Shinsuke is purely the fact of, like, it's no fault of his own, but just the company just don't get him. Yeah. <laughs> they, and, they, and they just choose mm-hmm. not to. <laughs> and so this... Yeah. This Bloodline Civil War tag team match. It was hype. Not gonna lie. The result was very surprising. Especially especially considering that Roman took a clean pin. Yeah. That was the bit that made me go, huh. That's that's pretty cool, actually. But the question now remains is okay, Jay was the one that pinned him. This leads into SmackDown, where, you know, Roman is pretending to be kind of, like, upset and kind of, like, resigning himself for being the tribal chief and, and supposedly looks to give it to, to Jay. He gives him the, the, the lay, puts it around his neck. He goes on down to his knees and acknowledges the new tribal chief. But it's a ruse all along, and he low blows him. And this 
uh, gentlemen, is what all the fans are calling cinematic wrestling. <laughs> you know, I wish okay. I had that Men in Black device where I could shine in people's <laughs> face. People who ever found the word cinema and wrestling just be like, nope. You know what? You know. Dog, I, I I don't care. Take me back to the October twenty twenty fucking Braun Strowman fiend feud. Yes. Oh, no. You know what? I heard someone uh propose like a very interesting parallel. Is that this is what everyone was saying ten years ago with video games? Yeah, but the problem is yeah. though is that video games can actually translate as a format as a format and like you know express express those ideas. I've said right before, wrestling is entirely capable of it. It just chooses not to. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And as I told you, chaps, before we recorded, uh, the only thing we ever got close to being cinematic wrestling was when Hangman Page dressed up as a Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. There you go. <laughs> no, right? Okay. As we said before... The the Firefly Funhouse match with John Cena was genuinely a really good experiment into like yes into like cinematic wrestling ideas, and then they just abandoned it. They just made this one off that was like such a good exploration into the into the form, and they were just like, we're just never gonna touch that again. Firefly Fun Funhouse, never heard of it. <laughs> Wait, I thought John Cena was 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 erased from the existence of professional wrestling. Oh no, 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 he's he's back. He's facing Roman so, for the Universal okay. Championship. <laughs> so we had we had we had all of this, and then all people were like, "Oh, dude, this is this is this is cinema," and I'm just like, "Sure, man." Like, yeah, okay. Enjoy what you want to. I'm good. <laughs> But guys, Max Landis said that wrestling isn't wrestling. Yeah, but Max Landis is also a person. I was going to say, say, Max Landis is not a person I would take life for. Exactly. exactly. No, please don't. <laughs> I will stand by what I said. Yes, Max Landis is also a pervert, but I don't. <laughs> yes, fuck Max Landis. <laughs> But yeah, this is I'm guessing is leading to Jay versus Roman at SummerSlam, which if you when you when you really think about it, yeah, yeah, I would I would not I'm not mad at that, but it's the way they it, but I would probably be mad by the way they're gonna go about it, which it's probably just gonna be this just... time this this time Solo Sakura will hit the spike on Roman. Oh God, no, please to interfere. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Jay might? Do you think the company CJ as a main event player? Dog, I have no idea who the fuck they see as a main event. I have no we idea. only had Roman for the last fucking two years. <laughs> I, I this is why I'm bringing up the question because at this point it's just like I don't know who the fuck they're thinking of. <laughs> Every think... the, the the past model was just fuck it. Here's the flavor of the month. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, are they still thinking Cody? Are they? I, I at this point, I don't Dude, even I don't know. I fucking know. I assume so, but fucking hell if I know. <laughs> right. For all I know, they'll have the match, and then Damian Priest will fucking cash in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah. Oh god. Then it's Roman versus Roman in a doppelganger match. Uh. <laughs> fucking. I don't fucking know, bro. <laughs> Should we end it there? 
Yes. <laughs> Before he make Dad even more angry. So No, I'm just confused, brother. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh, it's a permanent state of confusion when watching WWE. Uh hence why I still figure out why the hell am I still watching it. But I digress. I can't like AEW is not even getting much better for me, but I I vibe with it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Let us talk mm-hmm. let us go to recommendation corner where it is being currently uh, well, occupied by Andos. What have you got for us this week, sir? (laughs) Gentlemen, how do we feel about post-apocalyptic prog metal with the energy and intensity of an early Metallica and Motorhead album? Uh, You're speaking my language. Great vibes. (laughs) That's great because I cannot get enough of the new King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard album, Petrodragonic Apocalypse, Please don't listen to Pitchfork. They are terrible at reviewing music. Yes, they are. It is so good. Like, if you loved Infest the Rat's Nest, which was their last metal album, everything you love about that album is there, except the songs are longer, the songwriting's more complex, the percussion's full and booming, the guitars have a really satisfying fuzzy crunch to them, the lyrics are really catchy... Just, if you're looking for a really good, like, 80s throwback album, nobody's doing it like King Gizzard. I also have some YouTube recommendations in honor of Reardon, who's at a Pride Festival right now. Shoutouts to Reardon. Um, I would like to recommend the channel Hazel. Hazel is a great anime video game YouTuber. She has this really, like, personable quality and, like, coziness to her videos where every time you watch them, like, the subject she delivers and the way she delivers it comes across like you yourself watched it and went through the experience yourself. I highly recommend her video on Sonic Adventure and her recent video on Fooly Cooly, which kind of has the bones of what I'd like to do with my Scott Pilgrim video. Definitely recommend her. Um, My final recommendation is the channel Breadsword. Breadsword is video essaying on fucking god mode he is on <laughs> another level like the best way i can describe bread sword is like eyepatch wolf if like he had a clip and a reference to literally every single word of his script <laughs> he just i i watch his videos i i highly recommend his tintin video and his lupin the third video which finally got through copyright hell and it's like you're watching it and you're like how how does he do this how does he have, like, a reference and a clip for everything in his script? And he's one of those YouTubers where it's like, you go in not giving a fuck about the subject, and by the end you're like, I need to consume everything from this. <laughs> so you'll become a Tintin fan yet, basically. I'm a Tintin truther. <laughs> yes. but no. The European experience. Exactly. Yeah. And actually... Thank you as well, Andos, because it was from your Twitter, like your tweets about Breadsword, that I actually started watching their work, and it's like, oh, mwah. <laughs> He's so good. Yeah, like him and Hazel are like two of my biggest inspirations right now. Like they're just, ah, oh, they're such, so good. You such good. They're so good. Definitely highest recommendations towards those two channels. Find good recommendations. Raiden would be proud, is what I'm saying, Andos. Aww. <laughs> Either that or or would be worried that he's out of a job now, but I don't... (laughs) It'll be fine. (laughs) It is time to get on to our main portion of the episode. It is time to talk about FTR. Feathers. 
opening question for our retrospective. What's the thing that comes to mind when you think of Dax and Cash? Throwback. Yes. Do you want the funny answer or do you want the serious answer? Yes, both. <laughs> Uh, serious, serious answer. Um, a a, cl a classic from a time I never knew. Funny answer, bald. <laughs> I also have a funny answer, which is Bret Hart on one point two five speed. <laughs> Bret Hart divided by two. <laughs> Bret Hart's, Bret Hart's hate for Shawn Michaels times two. Now, uh, <laughs> no, I, I, I pretty much. Well, I mean, one thing I hate more is that fucking Bill Goldberg. <laughs> you know, I, uh, you know, I, uh, I once was in The Simpsons, but that doesn't compare to how much I fucking hate Goldberg. Uh, <laughs> anyway. I actually met Bret Hart once, and I asked him, like, so I know your hatred of Bill Goldberg, but what do you think about Mr. Burns? He's like. Don't like him. <laughs> I'm always gonna say, oh, it's a shame you didn't say, don't like that pencil neck geek. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, I actually have seen that picture of you and Bret Hart together as well, so it's just like, <laughs> mm -hmm. The same show where I actually met Dax Harwood, which was a really good conversation. <laughs> oh, oh, now, before we get into it, you gotta, you gotta tell us now, Andrews, what did you say or talk to with Dax about? <laughs> Oh, well, I was very direct. I said, like, hey, you know, I listened to your podcast with Renee Paquette, and I just want to thank you so much about speaking up again about mental health. You know, I have trouble with anxiety and depression, and hearing someone like you talk about it meant a lot to me. And, like, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, thank you so much. You know, I really care about mental health. You know, I care about medication. I hope you are doing well and all that. It wasn't really about wrestling as much as it was about, like, mental health, because I think he's a really good proponent of yes. it and the way he speaks yeah. about it. Oh, that's that, that's super, awesome. Super nice guy, super personable. That's awesome. That is, I'm really glad to hear that. Really glad to hear that. All right, then. As with always, let's go back to the beginning, which is always a very good place to start. And let's actually start with... Let's start with Cash's early career. Born in Asheville, North Carolina in May 1987, Daniel Marshall Wheeler knew day one that he wanted to become a professional wrestler and pursued it in his teenage years, eventually debuting in 2005 under the ring name Stephen Walters. At this time, he would most notably appear for NWA Anarchy, where he both, when he won both the television championship and the tag team championships, and also wrestled around the North Carolina area for Resistance Pro Wrestling, a couple of bits and pieces here for Dragon Gate USA, and as always with the case, if you're from North Carolina, you'll undoubtedly end up in Omega Championship Wrestling, the company owned by Matt and Jeff Hardy. <laughs> I feel North like... Carolina, the wrestling hotspot. <laughs> like, it's... Honestly. Like, I feel like we've mentioned Omega quite a bit on the podcast, haven't we, Dan? <laughs> It's come up quite a few times, but again, like we said, like North Carolina really seems to be a wrestling hotspot. Exactly. exactly. And then kind of by proxy with that, then Matt and Jeff become involved. <laughs> God dang, no, it is true, it is true. Not only that, though, but Cash actually ended up wrestling in a few promotions across the globe. In the UK, he wrestled for All-Star Wrestling in Preston City Wrestling, and also actually had a couple of matches in Pro Wrestling Zero One in Japan. 
Yo. Shinya Hashimoto saw something in the game. <laughs> so, as for Dax, he would make his debut in 2004. Born in... Actually, before we even get to that, he was born in Whiteville, North Carolina in June of 1984. There we go. Hell yeah. <laughs> nice. Would debut in 2004, wrestling mostly in the independent promotions across uh, the North Carolina area as Casey McKnight. Don't worry about it. Most notably for AWA Superstars of Wrestling and uh, the now legendary CWF Mid-Atlantic. Of course, nowadays, CWF Mid-Atlantic is well known for Trevor Lee's uh, monumentous reign as their champion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, also wrestled for NWA Anarchy as well with Cash, as well as Pro Wrestling Zero One. But he was most noted. His most notable time was wrestling in Ring of Honor. He would make an appearance in 2010 in a dark match prior to the Big Bang pay per view, uh, and would occasionally just make on and off appearances for ROH in and around that time. He would also wrestle in a uni- uh, United Professional Wrestling Association based in Wilmington, North Carolina, working with actually quite a lot of people within the North Carolina area. Uh, but, but quite a number that I actually can't list here because there's about like 20 names that I listed here. <laughs> so, this brings us to their time in NXT. Now, in my research of watching through all of NXT... It still surprises the hell out of me that when Dax was signed in 2012, he ended up having a couple of tag teams before being teamed with Cash. Okay. So Mm -hmm. he once had a tag team uh, with Judas Devlin, who would, of course, become Luchasaurus in AEW. Based? (laughs) Incredible. And, of course, he had a very short-lived tag team run with Alexander Rusev. Fun fact about that, actually, him and Rusev were supposed to get the NXT tag team titles, but Matt Bloom was like, one of the trainers at the time was like, you know, I don't know about them. I see something in the Ascension. So, like, they were removed from the tag team picture. Yep. <laughs> I'm sure that all worked out brilliantly. And Matt, at, exactly. the, at the time, though, uh, this was when Rusev was actually being managed. Not by Lana, but by Sylvester LaFort. Anyone oh, remember God, Sylvester I... LaFort? Ah, Jesus I Christ. Um, a French professional wrestler known uh, in the Indies as Thomas uh, or, or Tom LaRuffa, but was known as Sylvester LaFort. He actually had a time in TNA for a short period, actually, as, as Basile Baraka. No, he wasn't a Mortal Kombat character. <laughs> <laughs> Was he related in any way to B.A. Baracus? Unfortunately not. <laughs> but well, that's I, just a waste. But what I do know, that though, he was incredibly French during his run in NXT. They really, they really, uh, they really um, hand it up how, how French this dude was. <laughs> but during their little, uh, well, like... Well, their alliance ending, they would end up having a short-term rivalry, uh, which was cut short after Daw- uh, Well, I should say, Harwood slash Scott Dawson suffered a torn anterior cruciate ligament, which rolled him out of action for several months. This was when the time, of course, where Cash, aka Dash Wilder, signed with the WWE in 2014. Now, of course, everyone knows the very famous story of how Dash Wilder, the name, came to be. It was actually a Dusty Rhodes idea. 
As a matter of fact, Dash was a tribute to his son Cody and his gimmick, uh, Dashing Cody Rhodes. Um, huh. Originally, um, Cash wanted the name Cash, but of course, Dusty was like, well, baby, I want to call you Dash because of my son, Death and Cody Rhodes, baby. It does sound like a very uh, a very dusty move to just be like, I hear you on that, but no. <laughs> <laughs> See, there you go. There you go. Coming back from his injury, though, in, uh, in 2014, Dawson and Wilder were immediately paired together. We're going on the, um, oh, what do they call it? Is it the, the citrus loop? Isn't it what they call it in NXT? Where they tour like the, 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 the Florida area. Oh, they just like do Florida. Yes. Yeah. Uh, they kind of do high school gymnasiums and stuff like that. Um, they paired together on live events in that time under the name The Mechanics. Eventually. Actually, sorry. Uh, actually, before that, would you like to hear a fun story about how Dash met uh, Scott? Yes. So I was I was listening to a lot to the Dax Harwood podcast to get my research from, and apparently it was a tryout match that William Regal put him and Scott into, or him and Dash into, where it's like, yeah, let's see what you can do. And they'd call nothing in the ring. Sorry, they call it all in the ring, and it's like a really like high-intensity, really like good match that they have, and like all the talent like, circles around the ring. And they get a standing ovation and everyone's cheering them. And in the back, when they meet each other formally, Dax says, and I shit you not, Hey, Cash, how you doing? Are you a Brett guy or are you a Sean guy? <laughs> and goes, oh, I'm a, Sean, I'm a Brett guy. And he's like, I think we're going to be friends for a long time. <laughs> that's, that's my kind of story. I love that. <laughs> it's like typical Dax. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so their first televised win would become would come on a 2015 NXT taping where they would defeat the team of Enzo and Cass. <laughs> Sounds about right. I was gonna yep. say we're, we're we're doing all this. I don't feel like I can do the funny cage match bit. <laughs> no, no, the police don't. <laughs> there's, no, there's, no, there's nothing funny to do. No. <laughs> it's all just, it's all just serviceable tag team. So. That immediately, because of their pairing together, they ended up having quite a, a very cliched Southern style gimmick. Uh, as a matter of fact, I remember their first original gimmick, uh, like outfits and their entrance gear, was um, plaid shirts cut off at the sleeves. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And of course, um, a lot of people ha at the performance center weren't very, uh, weren't very persistent or kind of very very high on them mostly because of the mandate vince had of a general dislike for southern accents <laughs> mm -hmm. but why is that the most vince thing ever though? you know what's the crazy thing though is that vince mcmahon was born and raised in north carolina the self-hate goes unreal but dusty god bless him knew that they would actually be quite good on the mic and insisted with everyone in the performance center and all the creative that they should actually have mic time. Glad they did, because they ended up being bloody good on the mic, if you ask me. Mm -hmm. Eventually, they would go on, of course, to make an appearance on the Dusty Rhodes Tag Classic as the mechanics, being bested by the eventual winners of Finn Balor and Samoa Joe. 
shortly after, though, they would change their, their, their name change to Dash and Dawson, um, or D&D. &D. Um, again, why they didn't have a fantasy gimmick after that, I do not know. Uh, <laughs> WWE's cringe. <laughs> You're telling me. You're telling me. You're telling me. Um, but this would eventually lead them to their very first NXT Tag Team Championship gold. Due to an earlier non-title victory over the then-tag champions, the Vaude Villains... Remember the Vaude Villains? <laughs> hey, right? I won't have Aiden English slander in this room. Alright, fair enough. Especially because he helped Rusev Day get over, so... <laughs> no no Aiden English slander on this podcast. <laughs> they would end the up... other Don, absolutely. <laughs> Eventually, though, on a November uh, episode, 2015 episode of NXT, they would face off and win the match to become NXT Tag Team Champions for the very first time. Eventually making their very first successful title defense a couple of weeks later, uh, defeating the board villains in the rematch, which would then lead them to NXT TakeOver London, their first as champions, taking on the Super Over team of... Enzo and Cass. Do you remember a time when Enzo and Cass were actually super silly over? Dude, I have spoken I remember about this that. so many times. You know what's right? crazy? All I say is this. I'm glad we live in a world where Big Bill is actually having... I feel Big Bill is in a much better tag team with Lee Moriarty. <laughs> Okay, right, look, I'll say it, I'll say it, so any uh, prospective wrestlers that are watching, uh, watching, listening to this, um, can know this. If you want to get over in the UK, all you need to do is give us something to shout loudly while we're inebriated. This, uh, unfortunately, it's is really true. It's really as simple as that. <laughs> this, unfortunately, is very true. <laughs> I went like. back and watched this one, and I just realized just um, how drunk the crowd was in there when Bro, it's literally it is literally that easy. <laughs> Give us something to shout out loud, and we will be happy. That's the bar you have to work with. Also, this was the same NXT takeover where Finn Balor was dressed as Jack the Ripper in his entrance. I mean, look, right? The guy was just doing what he wanted. <laughs> You're telling Crazy. me. Uh, but though, after this, beginning in around February of 2016, eventually they would adopt the team name that they would be most famous for. Well, during their time in WWE, anyway. The Revival. I also have a fun fact about how they got the name The Revival. Please lay it on us, Sandos. So, Dax, I'm going to refer to him as Dax, because that's what I know him yes. best as. I apologize. <laughs> yeah. Um... So Dax is in working out in the gym, and I think like CCR is playing in the gym, and Sami Zayn goes up to him and is like, "Oh man, you know what would be a good name if you call yourself the TTR, the Tag Team Revival." And Dax is like, "Oh, it's a good idea." So they workshop it to Triple H, and Triple H is like, "Yeah, well, uh, I find it funny that they call you the TTR. How about just the Revival?" Uh? <laughs> and that's how they got the name. That's the best impression of Triple H I've ever. I was gonna say it's incredibly <laughs> accurate. Bow down the only, to thing, the the only thing that I thought would have been more Triple H was the revival. <laughs> I was going to say, that's the most Connecticut accent I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> but no, like Sami Zayn eternally over for being a part of the bloodline and giving people their tag team names. See, Sami Zayn's just too cracked at the business. He's really, too good at this. He really is. 
He's far too good at this. He has too much power. <laughs> he must again. I thought maybe that's why he was stopped at Elimination Chamber. But I, <laughs> I don't. Let us talk then about quite possibly. Uh, I guess a group, a whole bunch of matches that made them probably well hit legendary status during their mm -hmm. time in WWE NXT specifically. Let us first talk about. NXT TakeOver Dallas, The Revival versus American Alpha. <sighs> right, I watched this match. You know what my first feeling was? God, do I miss American Alpha. <laughs> oh my God, Correct. me too. Bro, I don't care. We are, we are so overdue the Chad Gable single run. We really are. Like, you watch those matches again and you forget how good Chad Gable is. And Jason Jordan. Jason Jordan's an incredible athlete. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Talk about two teams that, in the eyes of an NXT like uh, sp uh, specific crowd, are hugely, hugely over. You mm -hmm. pair them together. At this point, the Revival are around 142 days as NXT Chad Champions. At this point, one of the longest reigns with the championships. And going up against a team that were kind of, they were kind of, it was that kind of like um, great pairing where one person really didn't want the other person, but once they ended up teaming together, they ended up creating magic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And thus we get, oh man, this match is so good. It's <laughs> it is. It's so good. The best way I can describe it and these matches are like, what if the Brain Busters, Tully and Arn, took on the Steiner Brothers? exactly that's honestly so accurate though it's, it's so good it, it it really does and i hate to be that guy who says the word it really felt like it was a throwback to early 90s wcw mm -hmm. with those matches especially again especially with the steiners as well like oh man <laughs> mm -hmm. so damn good so of course American Alpha would end up uh, winning the day and winning their tag, uh, winning the tag team championships. Eventually, though, come June at Takeover the End, the Revival would regain the titles from American Alpha, us becoming the the very first team to win the NXT Tag Championships twice. And again, yeah. this would lead mm -hmm. to a July the next month to an NXT episode in a really, really underappreciated two out of three falls uh, tag match. Mm -hmm. This it really is. So good. It's like an under, like under, kind of underappreciated classic because it's not like a takeover show. It's not as well known because it goes kind of under the radar. But man, I recommend yeah. anyone listening recommend that match. It's really, really good. Also, I'm gonna go back a little bit to the takeover to the end match. And what I this is a great match to kind of like show the dynamics of the revival as a heel tag team because when yeah. you watch it you're like they're doing all these things to like get an advantage like okay well we can't out wrestle them let's out fight them well we can't out fight them let's out dirty them well, we can't out dirty them like let's have this knockout drag out fight and like the way they build dynamics and psychology is just so interesting to me because yeah, it's like the they thing. have a really good understanding of like how to cut the ring in half they have a great understanding of like when to feed a baby face's comeback. It's just all so succinct and so smooth. So damn smooth. Yeah. It's what I always say about them, which is just that like the thing with them is that they they, they just get wrestling. Mm-hmm. Like they just know what they need to do to like get the result they want. And it's really like a skill you can't really teach. No. Agreed. They just they just have 
the sense and the presence about how they do their wrestling that just like makes it so interesting to watch. Mm-hmm. Agreed, agreed. Talking of that though, I guess now when it comes to this block of time, we have to eventually talk about the rivalry between the revival and DIY. Ooh, I got so many words about this feud. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just I'm just gonna I'm not gonna go into like specifics with each like each like folding like storyline and weaving into the matches. We're just gonna talk about the main matches in particular that took place in takeovers. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. Right, let's start with Takeover Brooklyn 2. Uh, wow, this match, awesome. They retain the titles in this one. And uh, I feel like the problem when you talk about these matches, of course, is that I think because of the gargano Champa rivalry, a lot of people kind of really over-evaluate it and really hold it up in the highest regard. Yeah. So it's really, sometimes it's a bit difficult to not get drawn up in the hype and the, sometimes some bias towards these sorts of matches. Well, uh, especially as I was gonna say, especially when you're in the conversation of Gargano and Champa. But I can't help it when these matches actually, when these four just work so well together, you know? Yeah. Tell such good stories in the ring. Yeah. Oh, dang! This Takeover Two match was really, really good. And when you think, I mean, okay. it was on the same card as like Nakamura versus Joe for the NXT Championship. You know, and so Oscar versus Bailey. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Love that match. So, so freaking good. That match was awesome. The rematch mm-hmm. at, at TakeOver Toronto, though. Oh! <laughs> yeah, for the longest time, this was my not only favorite NXT match, but, like, one of my favorite WWE matches, like, period. Yeah. Yeah. Just, like, everything you want out of two out of three falls match. And especially everything you want in a in a high stakes tag team championship match for a company for so long had just all but given up on tag team wrestling to see mm-hmm. a really solid, well told, well paced tag team title match was such a pleasure to watch and to That's go back thing. and watch, like. Just being there and just seeing like an actually competent tag team. And the fact that it didn't go 40 minutes, it only went 22 at most. Mm-hmm. I, I, why do I get the feeling though that was like that 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 was Dax uh Gash being like, okay, we, we can't we can't do this for too long. <laughs> but I mean like it's not even like the athleticism and like the work rate in it. it's the story that's being told because like when you pay attention to like the story beats being told whether that's like Gargano being the weak link or, D- or uh, the revival like relying on their tricks too much that cost them everything just like mm-hmm. builds into this fever pitch at the end where it's like oh god what's gonna give and I uh, I just love that ending where um Dax has Gargano in like the reverse figure four and like the camera just stays on Gargano's face and he's yeah. reaching and he's reaching. It's like, oh, come on, Johnny. It's so good. It is such an incredible final fall. Oh. Yeah. Yes. Yes. If you could bottle that moment with where the crowd are just kind of willing Gargano and Champer on in that last moment and eventually it ends up with the double submission victory. Mm-hmm. Man. You iconic. Just so iconic. You bottle that up and sell any promoter could sell that and go, you want that energy? Just 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 a switch. Just a smidge. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. 
but even I love the ending too because like it's such a beautiful like tag team moment where mm. like Dax isn't letting Cash tap out, Cash isn't letting Dax tap out. It's like all right, if we're going to lose, we're going to lose as a team. And it's like, ah, that's tag team wrestling. That's fucking tag really team is. wrestling. Yes. It's so good. Just get it. Got it so well. So, with the highs, unfortunately, we have to now talk about the lows. I really don't want to go into this too much, because the more I talk about it, the more I'll get upset about it. But let's talk a little mm. bit about their main roster run. So, night after WrestleMania, it's the Raw after Mania, they come out in their main roster debut to face and defeat the New Day. Which I think is a great introduction. Strong, mm -hmm. very solid start, if you ask me. <laughs> Unfortunately, though, it did get derailed a cup uh, a little bit. It was a couple of weeks later during a house show. Um, Cash ends up suffering a fractured jaw. It was out out for about eight weeks, but they would come back around July time to start a rivalry against the Hardys. Eventually, that would end up having a freeway with Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson. But uh, less said about the good brothers, the better. You know, the whole... Uh, I'm not, and you know what? I'm not going to do my impression of CM Pulse pretending to do the good brothers theme song. <laughs> but unfortunately... Yeah, you did it for me, <laughs> Unfortunately, though, there was another injury um, upset because uh, shortly after when this feud started... Dax would suffer a ruptured bicep, putting him out for about five months. Thus, they would return on the December 18th episode of Raw, defeating Heath Slater and Rhino. Eventually, that again, they would reignite their feud with Gallows and Anderson. Uh, eventually, at the, at the Rumble pre-show, they, uh, they would defeat them. They wouldn't have uh, like a pay-per-view show until like SummerSlam on the pre-show, losing yeah. to the B-team. Again, I think the essence of the the main roster on is it, it smacks of people in charge that simply do not understand why people think that the revi the revival or FTR are good. Yeah, their entire run is just a bunch of people at the top just having no idea what to do with them. Exactly. They're like they're like, well, we don't know what to do. It's just that these guys are just good. Like. They don't have any silly catchphrases or anything, and they just look like kind of two normal guys from the South. What what the fuck are we supposed to do? Right. We can't turn these guys into a face on a t-shirt, so we don't know what to do with them. Right. And I actually have a funny story about that, where Dax talks about in this podcast, where, this is kind of at the end, but like, where he was thinking about, okay, we have this idea for your tag team, like, you're going to come out every single week, and you're going to be like an 80s and 90s tag team, we're going to put you in tassels, and we're going to make you the Rockers, we're going to have you come out as the Bushwhackers, and that'll get you over, and Dax is like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> it would have been worse if they came out as flipping Demolition. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, like, this is the thing, though, right, it's like, this this thing of the people in charge, especially main roster, thinking like they needed some kind of like thing to make people recognize them when it's like, no, that's not needed at all. Just let them do their thing. Just let them do the let wrestling. Yeah. It's, it, it's crazy. They did admittedly when they captured their first raw tag championships, they admittedly, they were in a, they were in a sort of good rivalry with Bobby Roode and Chad Gable at that time. They yeah, did have some semi-decent mm. matches together. As no, 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 they, they had, they had good matches. It's just people at the top were like, yeah. hmm, 
we think these guys are kind of crap, but we don't know why. And I'll nor give are it, we interested mm, in finding out why. And I'll give it this no. much. Dax and Cash actually really did a good job putting over uh, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder at WrestleMania 35. They really did. They actually did a tremendous job at doing that. And I think, it, it, honestly, for, for Hawkins and Ryder, you know what? Yeah, I tell you, you deserve that moment at WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. You we deserve did, yeah. that moment. <laughs> but unfortunately, it goes even more downhill because, of course, when the Usos were drafted to Raw, that was when the stupid silly bollocks came. And for some yeah. bizarre reason, they decided to make the revival uh, a, like the butt of the joke. Like, of course, everyone knows that very infamous thing of uh, of um, of the revival shaving each other's backs. Yes. Yes, which kind of breaks my mind because it's like, okay, so you're thinking this is silly, but isn't that like something you want out of a tag team partner? Like if you trust them enough to do that, you're going to trust them to do a lot of other things in the ring and outside the, the ring. So the, like, logic of the, world, the logic of the wider world does not apply here. It's simply no. seen as two men in a shower, and so WWE goes, laugh at it, please. <laughs> Wouldn't you be surprised into knowing it was around this time that they requested their release from the company? Well, this, was, this was not long. This was like not long until then after when the plans came out and they were being given the fucking Flavor Flav gimmick. Oh, yeah, yeah. with the Shatter Machine. Oh, yeah, oh. Shatter Machine thing. Uh. Uh. Which, again, it just shows you how much they simply do not understand them. You know what makes me laugh is that was actually personally designed by Vince. What? No. Yep. Yep. So it makes me laugh that the both of them, <laughs> after seeing it with all of the designs, laughed and immediately told him that these guys were... Th this was bad. This was bad. But if you want us to do this, eh, we've only got two months left. Huh. Okay, then. I guess we will do it. So... Uh, upon, upon upon hearing that bad reception to that gimmick, you know what Vince did? He made them sit at home for the final two months of their contract. That'll teach him. I think apparently that was also the moment where the executives and McMahon stated their kind of, well, kind of confirmed their intention was to leave the company and not, you know, siphon more money out of them. Mm -hmm. Why is it always the case with Vince when someone wants to request it that it's like, no, you don't fire me, I fire you. <laughs> you know, like or, they're probably worried about their star being bigger somewhere else as opposed to being his creation. Yeah. Oh god, take a look at Moxley's final few weeks in the company. Honestly, yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> I was just doing whatever. He's <laughs> living his best life. Exactly. Exactly. So I'm glad that we did that very quickly because I don't like talking about that time. It's because no. it's that even then I was like, these guys deserve so much more, but they've been given nothing. And I'm not even talking about the anniversary episode of Raw when they were absolutely oh unequivocally and unabashedly punked out by DX for no discernible reason whatsoever. And of course, that brings up the whole thing of what Dax brought up on the sessions with Renee Paquette, which I think was complete and utter bullshit. And I don't care who you are, even if you're a legend of the business, you know better than to do that sort of shit, Sean. <laughs> no, that was shitty. That was so, so shitty. If you 
to those who haven't heard, basically what happened during that episode of Raw, Sean was being, um, Sean and Dax were talking, talking about their families. Dax was talking about kind of like a bit of hard struggles during his time in the company. And Sean was kind of very sympathetic, seemed kind of listening, kind of seemed generally heartfelt in his kind of like wanting to help Dax out. Until the rest of the members of DX came in and he's flipping absolutely rinsed Dax. Like yeah. out to them. Yeah. And and the thing the thing is, it's like Cool, right? But you're a grown ass man now. You're not you're in your twenties anymore. This isn't nineteen ninety six, Sean. It isn't the click anymore. Exactly. And a thing is, it's like the thing that always kind of like I I take back from it is that after everything was said and done, they did the segment and Sean and Trips were still being assholes to the pair of them. The one person who shook their hand and said thanks to them, Sean Waltman. Yeah, but I feel like Waltman, Waltman understands his role inside all of this. Exactly. Exactly. Shout mm-hmm. out to Sean Waltman, a guy who's turned his life around quite a bit, actually. Real, yeah. A man who I'll never understand the hate towards. <laughs> I think it's just the fact that you always, when he always did a kung fu kick, he would go, this brings us then to all elite wrestling and ring of honor Mm -hmm. i think we were all under the impression around the time in 2020 the hellscape that was 2020 (laughs) yeah but once they had left in around uh around mayish time april may of 2020 that they soon enough were going to end up in aew I mean, the rivalry, the online kind of uh, jabs between them and the Young Bucks was prevalent way before all of this, of course, coining the term fuck the revival Mm -hmm. from the Bucks. So it almost seemed a given at this time that these two were eventually going to meet. Who knows where it could be? Could it be in AEW? Could it be in the Independence? Most likely it was going to be AEW. But we'd get our answer on a May episode of Dynamite as FTR would save the Young Bucks from an attack by the Butcher and the Blade. And thus, the dream match seemingly was going to happen. FTR, they're now known as, with the new names Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler. Originally called Fear the Revolt, until a cease and desist letter came over the name for the Revolt, with uh, the team of Caleb Conley and Zane Riley who were using the Revolt as a name. <laughs> Hence why um, it was called Hashtag FTR. <laughs> Which think... funny story about that was that Dax was like, okay, well, in order to make this okay between the two of us, I will give you a certain percentage of our royalties. We'll make sure that we pay for this and this. And the team's just like, no, we just want our name. And it's like, come on. <laughs> Are you really being that, like, kind of like tight assed about that? You know, <laughs> it's, it's only a name, right. guys. And Dax had to spend so much money on lawyers trying to, like, work with the trademark and everything. And it's like, guys, come on. <laughs> I, think Kayle- I think Conley and Riley were just trying to get that sweet WWE money, you know? <laughs> I don't blame them. Get them I don't blame them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, let's talk about uh, the Bucks. I guess a little bit of the Bucks and FTR rivalry around this time. Eventually, I think they would end up having eventually end up having the match with the Bucks. I can't remember what time it would have been. Would it have been around... It wouldn't have been Fighter Fest time because I think they ended up having an eight-man tag match with the Lucha Bros and the Butcher and the Blade. Fun match. 
Really fun match, fun match actually, mm-hmm. by the way. This was the time where Penta was Eddie Kingston's best friend. Uh, if you remember that, which I still think you remember that. that. Um, it's eventually, I think it's when they ended up being having um, being managed by uh, Tully Blanchard. Actually, is mm-hmm. when they ended up having that match against uh, uh, against um, the Young Bucks. I can't remember. Was it Full Gear? Wasn't it was it? Full Gear, yes. But yes. before you go into that, kind of want to turn the clock a little bit because they actually win the tag team titles from. Kenny and Hangman. Yes, they do. As a matter of fact, they do. I was trying. I was getting my timeline mixed up here. It's bad research on my part. My apologies. No, that's okay. <laughs> but no, good. Very. They good win match. the titles and they have a kind of small run with the belts, where they have tag team appreciation nights, where they're going up against like Jurassic Express. They're going up against um. What's the team of? And Helico and Jack Evans? Hyper 2. Yeah. Hyper 2, there we go. Thank you very much. <laughs> and they have just different tag matches, and that's what leads to their match at Full Gear. Yes, great match, by the way. Um, although, I always say to people, it's like, uh, I, 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 whenever people say that FTR are like a throwback to the old school 80s style of wrestling, I say to people, go watch this match, because I don't think... Old school '80s wrestlers were doing springboard 450 splashes. <laughs> they weren't, but like, look, you got to move with the time. As I say to people, FDR throwback, but they're the same type of throwback, like synth wave as a throwback, where it's like mm. they're very adjacent to that time period. But once you go back to that time period, you realize they're not as they're not as off the period as they as you think they are. <laughs> Sam is a man after my own heart making a synthwave reference towards FTR. <laughs> see? I, I, see, I was going to say something, but then I was like, I feel like I'm being rude if I make if I make the bit. Because <laughs> in, my, in, my in my terms, it sounds worse. But I was going to say, they are almost very, um, how you say, Greta Van Fleet. But without the negative connotation, some people attach to that. Yeah. Some people... Some people mm-hmm. use that as an attack, right? But I'm saying in the sense of they are very much the essence of a pastime, but <laughs> given to a modern audience. <laughs> right, just well, modern Do you chaps remember before we get into the kind of like how we how how we're going to end this uh, end the the revival retrospective on uh, their time with the Pinnacle, but capturing the the Triple A Tag Championships as La Super Ranas or the Super Frogs. Yes, it's <laughs> gonna say great tag team, great tag team. But that would eventually end up having this would start this amazing run for them, where they would capture the Triple R World Tag Team Championships. Mm-hmm. Eventually, though, the Pinnacle would eventually dissolve. FTR would turn babyface after siding with CM Punk. This would then lead to a Twitter war between Dax and Jay Briscoe in the lead up. To the uh, to the Supercard of Honor pay per view, which at the time would have been would have been the 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 return of Ring of Honor after a very very long hiatus for them, um, with Briscoe's winning the tag championships for the eleventh or was it twelfth time? Well, twelfth time. Thank you, Anders. <laughs> um, the lights would go down and FTR's theme would play. Oh baby, we've got it set. We're going to have the Briscoes and FTR facing off against one another, baby. Mm, that's so exciting. So, 
During this time as well, they would end up eventually winning the IWGP Tag Team Championships at Forbidden Door, defeating the champions United Empire, the team of Groto Khan and Jeff Cobb, Rapongi Vice, and Rapongi Vice, I should say. That would make them the Triple R IWGP Champions. But of course, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself because they would eventually, I believe, I can't remember. Was it? It was Super Card of Honor, actually, wasn't it? Super Card of Honor, yes. That they would end up winning the ROH Tag Championships from the Briscoe Brothers. Let's talk about that first match between the mm -hmm. Briscoes. Ooh. If only we knew that we'd end up, this was only a taster of what was to come. I would have said to you, this match, fantastic tag match. If we, if this is all we were going to get, I am happy. It was everything I wanted it to be. Brutal, um, old school, brawling style. Just violence personified in this match. And if you think they didn't have anything left in the tank after their great matches... Back in WWE, and of course, up until that time with like, the Lucha Bros and the Young Bucks. Boy, were we wrong. <laughs> right. I think this match, in a lot of ways, is kind of like a reintroduction to FTR. Because, like, you have... Of course, you think of NXT, but, like, there's such a long period of time where they're middling in the WWE. They're not reaching their top potential in AEW. And I think this was the match where it's like, okay, this is where we cement our legacy. And goddamn if they don't do that. Oh, and then some. And then some. Dang, this was this was a, a truly just a really great match from top to bottom. Oh, good. Um, the, the the use of both uh, both teams stealing each other's finishes as well. I I pretty I really mm -hmm. appreciated. Of course, me being the gremlin, I didn't mind blood being uh, being uh, drawn every so often. Oh no. no, we do. <laughs> or that disgusting brain buster. Onto oh. the concrete. Oh, that brain buster though. But I mean, like, it's yeah. Way that, yeah, but like the way that Dax sells it too, and like this is why they just get tag team wrestling, because like in that moment that Cash is checking in on him, all the doctors are checking in on him, and Cash just like drags him with all yes. his power and all his force into the ring to like get his partner back in, and it's like ah, tag team wrestling. And all of them are standing in the ring, going, "Oh yeah, we're still here. Do you want to just clobber each other for a bit?" Sure. Fuck <laughs> yeah. Man, as I said, this match was fantastic, honestly. And if we knew, if only we knew that this was just the start of what would end up becoming one hell of a rivalry in 2022, man, we were spoiled. We were so spoiled as we get to death before Dishonor. And I'm so glad, I know it sounds silly, but I'm kind of really glad that they made this the main event of the mm -hmm. show. A two out of three falls match for the tag team championships as FTR take on the Briscoes. As oh, if, if we if we didn't know that we could get it any more violent, let's just introduce everything. Massive table spots, even more blood. Mm -hmm. <sighs> and just Jay, Jay Briscoe Sorry. being Jay Briscoe. <laughs> Another fun story about this match, I believe it's Death Before Dishonor, where like they know that they have to main event, and like the uh, FTR is talking to the Briscoes, and they're like trying to work everything out. And then to ease the nerves, as you know, Dax really likes tequila. That's kind of his thing. Yes. And it's like, okay, to calm the nerves, let's have a drink and let's talk about the match. And then, like, I think it's Jay who's like, all right, let's have another drink. Let's have another drink. 
like by the time they're finished, like half the bottle is just gone. <laughs> How am I not like, surprised? It's like a really great friendship that those two teams have. How am I not surprised? Ah, <laughs> oh, this match. Your moment. This such such an awesome awesome match, and in the span of forty minutes. As I said, you know, two out, I feel like FTR are the experts in how to craft a, a, a two out of three falls match no matter the time limit. If they're stuck for time, mm-hmm. they know how to get everything in. But if they have a little wiggle room to play with, they certainly know how to utilize that time. And boy, did they in this match. Mm-hmm. I, I, again, credit to Jay and Mark, because Jay and Mark are so damn good. They complement each other so well. So damn well. This leads us again to the end of 2022 and ROH final battle. And it's a dog collar match, everybody. Just when we think, again, we couldn't get any more violent, we get a double dog collar match. AKA, one of my uh, guilty pleasure match stipulations. And oh boy, was I not disappointed by this match. Oh no. no. Oh no. Tony Khan is just the master of the dog collar match at this point. Oh. That, uh, I'm serious. I'm not going to stand to take this fucking shit that I'm not good at dog collar matches. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, he's good. He's two for two. So, mm. like, <laughs> this match, man, like... It's just good wrestling. It's really good it wrestling. Is. And and, and, and mm-hmm. honestly, in the grand scheme of things, you can take all three of these matches, put them together, and call it a damn near perfect trilogy of matches. But if you were to separate them, just when you think they couldn't get any better with each subsequent match, man, did they peak with this dog collar match, if you ask yeah, me. Especially given the build that they had where it's like the ass boys come out and they're like, yeah, double dog collar match happening this weekend. Bye. And all because as well, as we talked about on our Briscoes episode, is that Warner Brothers didn't want them on AEW television. No. So the only reason why they didn't want, the only reason why the guns were the ones basically to build the match up on AEW. <laughs> but, uh, oh man. It comes on a bit of a somber note when you realize that that was one of Jay's last matches, and mm-hmm. dang, like, what, he- what a hell of a way to, 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 to make that kind of like the last match. Yeah, and what, a, like, it, it still blows my again. I know it sounds silly because it, it is so recent. It still blows my mind that Jay isn't here. You know, mm-hmm. the more I think about it, man. What, like, an incredible... What incredible 2022, though, it was for FTR at that time. Not only having mm-hmm. those trilogy of matches, but being AAA champions, being ROH tag champions, being the IWGP heavyweight tag champions. Um, I mean, me and Dan and Reardon, we were at Royal Quest 2, and the reception that those chaps had when they came out, like... Oh, yeah. Those yeah, two... Yeah, they were wild for FTR. They were so over that was their year like there was no there was no other tag team minus the briscoes or no singular wrestler that at that time was firing on all cylinders quite like ftr i can't imagine just how gratifying that felt to both dax and cash going after all that nonsense we went through in wwe Mm -hmm. to now being here 
And to this point now, them going, oh, we forget, we're sorry for everything we did. Can you please come back? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that must have been that must have been so gratifying to know that we that didn't harm us, and we are right here, right on the zenith of potentially our our careers with this. Right. Honestly, when you think about it too, like in the same way of John Moxley, where it's like, look at all they've done by leaving the WWE. They travel the world. They have all these dream matches. They realize their potential. They get all they get to like be in the ring with all these legends and it's like you don't do this if you stay in the wwe like betting on yourself is like the most important aspect to have in wrestling indeed absolutely indeed let's end it Uh, rather than let's end it at revolution so at this time Mm -hmm. in the beginning of 2023 they would end up continuing their rivalry with the guns at this time the guns had just become the aew world tag team champions uh, defeating the acclaimed. Um, now there's a part of me put my conspiracy foil tinfoil hat on that says that the reason that the guns had the titles is I don't think the Bucks wanted to be def- lo- to lose with it to FTR. You know, <laughs> it's entirely possible. <laughs> there's, a like... there's a part of me that thinks because they knew how over they were, they knew that they would never be as over if that. <laughs> part of me likes to believe that. One of the matches at All uh, All In 2022 was supposed to be FTR versus the Young Bucks for all the gold. Yeah. But just didn't want to do it. Yeah. And it's like, you think about how much money was left on the table because of that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Taking nothing from the guns, though, because I'll be, I'll be here and say that Austin and Colton have really come into their own the past couple of years. Oh, no, dude. Mm. They, are, they, are, they are good. They are Especially not now. I mean, this. I mean, I'll, I'll say this: an entrance can make a wrestler. And the fact they came out to Fifty Cent at Revolution is like, you know what? You guys, you got star I mean, written like, on yeah, you like, with like, that. There, 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 are, there, are, there are there are better people <laughs> in AEW, but like they are they are a good tag team. Obviously, like in the in the grand scheme of everything that ha- that was happening, um, I you know I would much rather the acclaimed or I'd much rather FTR, but. True, true, true. That said, though, um, again, I'm terribly I'm... sorry to be that guy. I'm sorry to apo- I apologize for interrupting, <laughs> but I'm sorry to be that guy. But actually, the match they have against the Guns is on Dynamite, and the Revolution match is them versus, um, Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett. Jeff Jarrett, yes, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, that's my that that is my mistake because they returned at Revolution, wasn't it? mm Hmm. That was my mistake. Apologies. That is me. Double that... Nothing. Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it was double. Yeah. Matches the full way. <laughs> that is my mistake, everybody. Because I wrote these notes at about 11 p.m. last night. <laughs> That's okay. But no, FTR, like at this moment, current World Tag Team Championship champions for the second time. In a weird, in a weird flux period at the moment, because again. How can you go from that amazing year that you had? What do you do now that you're champions once more, you know? Again, of course, having a rivalry with Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett, of course, is the saviour of pro wrestling, as we all know. Oh, man, we're going to go nuts. We're going to go nuts. We're going to go nuts when, they, when Jeff Jarrett comes out in Wembley. That's all I'm saying. Correct. So I guess the Fuck final I question I will I will give to you, chaps, is... 
where do you see Dax and Cash going? Of course, we now know that they've re-signed with AEW. They're going to be there for mm-hmm. four years. And once that four years is done, Dax and Cash have been very vocal in saying, that's it. We're going to just kind of ride into the sunset after that. Where do you think they're going to be? What, what do you think they're going to get up to? I guess not for the next four years, but for the rest of the year. Where do you where do you see their kind of trajectory going? Um, it's hard to say because AEW's tag team division isn't the strongest at the moment, and I think like giving them more of a showcase will help build that. Like they have the match against uh, Jay White and Juice Robinson this set tonight. Actually, um, I guess it's hard to say because like. It kind of depends on the booking, but I think they're going to have a really good 2023 based on the tag matches they've had on Collision. Agreed. Agreed. It's, it's, it'd be an interesting thing to see where they are come all in London. Mm-hmm. Because, of course, the, the massive rival, uh, the massive rumor going around, or the dream thing everybody wants is CM Punk and FTR versus the Elite. I don't think it's that's going to happen, honestly, because of ego. No. That and and just the whole legal connotations and complications surrounding everything mm-hmm. involving CM Punk and the Elite, right? So I don't like, think that's ever gonna happen, guys. I'm sorry. Unfortunately, no. But a showcase tag team match for the titles, may I would say that's more of a likely thing. But the question is, who exactly is the team to face them at all in London? Part of me wants to say Aussie Open if Mark Davis is healthy. I think the whole place would come undone if that were the case. And I think, honestly, again, if Mark Davis wasn't... If the if there was so much uncertainty about Mark Davis and the, the time, to, the road to recovery that he has, I, I would yeah. agree. Because I, yeah. I think that was... I honestly think that was probably the match that they were going to go for as well mm-hmm. and i would not blame them because uh shout outs to aussie open they fucking rule awesome. <laughs> they are so yeah. damn good um especially mark davis i love mark davis yes correct this fellow run the jewels fan <laughs> he is oh man lovely individual actually both carl and mark lovely individuals met, yeah. met them a couple of times actually they are bloody lovely they are um awesome. but yeah if, if if not aussie open I'd like to see the acclaimed, like maybe yeah. the acclaimed getting their title back. It's, I really want that. I think I I agree. I think that's the one I mean, they're probably I mean, going Sam, for. You can you can probably attest to the fact that the acclaimed will go so crazy in London. You yeah, you damn right they will. <laughs> Again, we'll have something that we can chant at. <laughs> exactly. I say this to people. There's two things that are absolute, or three things that are absolutely certain come all in London. One, Sting is going to get the ovation of a lifetime. Two, the acclaimed are going to get, uh, uh, the, the, are kind of just going to get really over as heck. Gigantopop. And three, Daniel Garcia will go to his spiritual home of Peckham and be the most over person in all of AEW. Correct. <laughs> I keep telling people, Buffalo and Peckham are twin cities at this point. <laughs> you... True sister cities of the universe. <laughs> So yeah, that, I think that's where we're gonna that's where we're gonna end on our little retrospective on Dax and Cash. Um right. Andos, may I just say thank you so much, man. It has been an absolute pleasure to have you on, sir. Guys, it has been such a privilege being on your show. Like I think about 
where my YouTube career has been from last year to now, and I'm just not nothing but blessed to be on your podcast. It means I'll, a lot to me. I'll stop it, you. <laughs> now I'm Being blushing. My podcast, <laughs> wrestling podcast debut, this means a lot to me, so mm. I'm glad I did it here. Oh, shucks. <laughs> Thank you, my man. If you've got anything that's coming up, any like uh, vid- videos coming up, anything you've got going on in the world of uh, online or any socials that you'd like to shout out, the floor is yours. Take it away, Andos. All right. Well, thank you. So first off, I promise you, I swear the Kiki's <laughs> Delivery Service video is coming. I have like 95% of it in the can. It should be ready at the earliest by the end of the weekend, if very latest end of next week. So I got that to look, you got that to look forward to. I'm still working on the online mixtape series where I go play casual matches online with Street Fighter VI. That's been also that. a recommendation. Been very much also enjoying that. No, thank you. I appreciate that. Um, in terms of where to follow me, I am on Twitter at, at andosman94, or just type in andos. I should be there. I, if you like what I do on YouTube and want to support the channel, leave a like, leave a comment, subscribe. But also, I have a coffee, which is coffee.com slash andos. You can check me out there. And yeah, that's little old me in the world and what I'm doing. Also, I want to shout out my girlfriend, Puzzled Orca. Please check her out as well. She has an Etsy shop where you can buy her art from wrestling, Sonic the Hedgehog, Metalocalypse, and all types of fun things. So definitely check her out as well. Ah, you, you, you're, you, you was going to say you're in a good graces now for shouting her out. <laughs> no, thank she you. She has great art, and I love her very much. Actually, yeah, shout out to her, because she actually does really good art. I have seen it, you retweet, and, and comes up on my page as well. Really, really good artwork. Oh, thank you. She'd like to hear that. <laughs> Alrighty. Episode 150 is the next episode. And we're doing something a little different. Because not only are we going to be joined by uh, by the man who uh, who we still owe a bit of money to, Melee Hellbot, <laughs> of the Base yep. World podcast, <laughs> but Reardon is actually going to be presenting this one as we talk about the steroid trials. Oh, baby. <laughs> oh, oh, my. Oh, as, my. As we figure Holy. out. As we figure out the whole business surrounding the early 90s. Was Vince McMahon's neck really broken at this time? And just how much did Hulk Hogan work himself into a shoot? <laughs> that is all coming up on the next episode. Maybe I wasn't, brother. <laughs> or, or maybe not, dude. <laughs> maybe not, dude. Did I take drug? Did I take steroids? Maybe. Maybe not, brother. <laughs> we didn't. Man, I want to join the XWF, dude. Uh... <laughs> or maybe not. <laughs> that is all coming up on the next episode, where we will torture Reardon for two and a half hours going, or maybe not, brother. <laughs> <laughs> but until then, I have been Sam, this has been Dan and Andos, and you have been listening to the Sweet Chinwag Podcast. We will see you as ever on the next one. Bye, everybody!